reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. We are drawing near to the end of the octave of prayer for Christian unity. And today's readings help us to focus on the meaning of what we're doing. Jesus in the gospel today clearly indicates that he came down from heaven to earth to found a family. Not a broken family. A real family. A family that's more united spiritually then the closest nuclear family on earth is related intentionally or by blood. And this is his will. During the celebration of the first Mass, as I mentioned before, he prayed that we might be one just like the Father and he are one, so that the world may know that the Father sent Jesus and that he loves us just as he loves Jesus. So that's his will that we become this type of family. And if we are going to be his real brothers and sisters, even his mother, giving birth to him in others, then we need to seek this unity. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. This helps us very, very much when it comes to the practical aspects of ecumenism. If we have a Protestant brother or sister who is earnestly seeking to do the will of God, that is what we must focus on. Not focus on what would divide us, but focus on that desire to do the will of the Lord. The real path ahead to bring God's family back together is that we all want what God wants. That We help each other to do what God wants. Now, obviously, for us as Catholics, that requires one big change. If our Protestant brothers and sisters are on fire for the Word of God, and certainly the evangelicals are, the way we're going to meet them is likewise by being on fire for the love of God. If they meet Catholics and we're ignoramuses about sacred scripture, It's an obstacle to them. It's a scandal. And if we're ever going to know the Word of God, we've got to study it. Some of the most beautiful experiences of my life have been ecumenical gatherings. I remember once when I was in Rome, there was a group of 250 black Pentecostal bishops. They called themselves bishops. They all wanted to come to Rome, which was a great thing. 
They asked to meet with an American cardinal who was working in Rome, but he didn't know enough about all the members who were there, so he thought it would be more prudent that he asked the rector of the North American College, now Archbishop Timothy Dolan of New York, if he'd meet with them. The principle of the cardinal was valid. You don't know if someone among those 250, for example, was a Holocaust denier. And he didn't want to necessarily say the Vatican approved, and he didn't have the resource to be able to look into every part of the person's history. When then Monsignor Dolan received the invitation, he himself didn't have the chance to do all the homework. He wanted them to have a presentation. He wanted them to be welcome, but he didn't really want to put himself into a circumstance in which the church might be able to approve. So he turned to a newly ordained priest, whom you know, and asked if I could speak to them on the understanding of the primacy of the See of Peter in early Christianity. So I said I'd be happy to. They had all gone shopping before, and they wanted to buy real bishops' vesture. So you'd see these 250 black bishops walking around the city. It looked like it was the Synod of Africa or something, to be honest with you. And they came up to the North American College into the theater, and I gave them that talk, and I didn't hold anything back in terms of the way that the early church looked at Peter and that we are not just, the Pope's not just the successor of St. Peter, but the heir of St. Peter, receiving the spiritual inheritance that God had given, that as the early saints would say, that he was presiding in charity in unity over all Christians throughout the world. But what really got them was in the midst of our conversation, I was using scripture the same way they were using sacred scripture. And they were open to hear the truth of the faith precisely because they had met somebody who knew the Bible and wasn't afraid to use it. And afterward, when they got up and gave a a little presentation at the end saying, thank you. They said, are you sure you're not Pentecostal, Father? And I said, as a matter of fact, I am, because I have received the exact same spirit that all Christians receive. And it's a shame sometimes that Catholics don't let it show. To do that will of the Lord. On the flip side, what do we need of our Protestant brothers and sisters to really do God's will. We need to get them to understand that crux of sacred scripture, which is that the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and that John 6 is real, that Jesus gave us his body and blood and wants us to do this in memory of him. That's what this first reading is about. One of the huge obstacles for Protestants jump in the Tiber, as we say, talking about that river in Rome that you have to cross to get to the Vatican. One of the huge obstacles for many Protestants in becoming Catholics, even those who are being led through the Holy Spirit and through sacred scripture to want to become Catholic, is when they come to most places, Catholic worship is dead. It's like people, before they came into the church, had vampires suck out 
all their joy as they come to worship. It's a huge issue because the Protestants believe, rightly so, that if Catholics really thought that what was this to them, according to the eyes, a little piece of bread and some wine, if that were really Jesus, they should be erupting with joy. Today in the first reading, we see the way as Catholics we're supposed to worship. When David brought up the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, to Jerusalem, in order to be able one day to put it in the temple. Then David, girt with a linen apron, linen was very, very difficult to make, and so it was precious, came dancing before the Lord with abandon. And he and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with down face, no, with shouts of joy and to the sound of the horn. Then, with all that joy that they were offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed not just to some of the people, but to all the people, to each man and woman and the entire multitude of Israel. A loaf of bread, what do you think that points to? A cut of roast meat. Perhaps it was lamb. And a raisin cake. Raisins coming from grapes. What do you think that points to? But he and all the house of Israel were doing this with joy. That's why the Lord instituted the Eucharist. Precisely so that we would be able to worship him as a family. So that we would be able to become him. That's the words, this, do this in memory of me. But for us, we need to celebrate with joy. The Catechism talks very powerfully in its fourth section on prayer, that we pray as we live, and we live as we pray. And for many of us Catholics, we don't live as if Jesus is risen from the dead. We don't live with that type of joy that if Christ has triumphed over sin and death, then we've got nothing to be afraid of. We live not necessarily as Good Friday Catholics, but we live differently than we live on Easter Sunday. We don't come to Mass and pray with the joy that should characterize Easter. Every Sunday is supposed to be a little Easter. Every Mass is supposed to be a little touch of that Easter joy. Do we enter into the Last Supper with attention to all the details? Of course we do. Do we witness and stand at the foot of Calvary as Jesus gives his body and blood again for us? Of course we do. But we receive the risen body and blood of the Lord Jesus. And we need to do this with joy. Because if we were doing it with characteristic joy, then so many would want to join us. This is what we're seeing in Africa, by the way. That so many Africans who had previously been evangelized by others, Anglicans, the Dutch, when they see the way Catholics in Africa pray the Mass, 
dancing during the processions, not this wacky look at us type of stuff, but the entire church with joy, praying with all their body, singing songs, taking two and a half hours, joyfully celebrating the Mass, because sorry, why would they ever be in a rush when they're with God? When the Protestants see that, they want a piece of it. They want to become part of that family. St. Francis de Sales shows us how this is done, shows us the consequence of somebody who recognized that the Lord had risen. He had to re-evangelize the entire Chablais region from the Calvinists. If you want to see people who are depressive Christians, go to Geneva. The Calvinists were always joyless in their practice of the faith, very rigid. It was an exception if somebody was joyful. And over the course of his first few years, he brought over 700,000 back to the faith. Despite the fact that they were trying to kill him, despite the fact that they were sending out assassins to try to waylay him alongside his journeys, such that he had to stay in military garrisons just to get a good night's sleep. Despite all of this, he never lost his characteristic joy in living the faith. He had once said, you catch more flies by honey than by vinegar, an expression that has since become famous. And he was that honey. As we come up to pray this Mass, we're supposed to pray it as if we're receiving the greatest and most sweet honey of all, because that is what we are. We're not receiving vinegar. So we should, like David, come up joyful with abandon, inviting the entire family of God to join us here so that the world may know that God the Father sent the Son and he sent us and that we're as loved by God the Father as Jesus knew he was. That's why we have every reason to be joyful.